Hey y'all, welcome to Wikipedia Club. We're really excited to see what's going to come of this first season and this first episode. Before all that, we want to announce our first sponsor, Remedy Coffee. Remedy Coffee is a coffee shop located in Knoxville on Tyson Street. There's a lot of good people that go there, young and old, even middle-aged too. And it's co-owned by the co-host of the show, Zach Hill. Remedy Coffee. Take that coffee and shove it down your throat. favorite bands one of my favorite bands mm. an artist we, we, are, like a lot. we are both white we are both white we both like coffee we both like beer so we're pretty good in our uh, we're, we're both middle class we're both pretty good in our pursuit of this band yes vampire weekend so have, have you seen them live before no they are number one on my they're number one on my bands that i need to see live see live i was just curious because i know you were in college when they came here and did big Ears. oh buddy i was a freshman in college and they came to big ears and i had no idea who they were and it is the biggest regret oh, of my life that's tough because they haven't really come like they don't really tour or they haven't been touring because they've been on this little break for a while um and so it because the xx was here they were here. Like, there's some... I mean, I missed out big time. Jamie XX was here, and I couldn't get anybody to go with me, which is, like, part 12 to the saga of Zach Needs New Friends. That's true. But, I, only, I think we all need, like, a yearly friend refresh. Oh, that's that would be great. If I could if I could just explicitly state to my friends, I, I like you as a person, but this friendship has run its course. Like, I'm going to try to find new friends, but I'll keep hanging out with you in the meantime. Dang, that sounds so much sadder when you say it. But I mean, sometimes it's just like, it's like I have friends that I have nothing in common with and it stunted my, like, I'm not an artist, but it stunted my like growth in music and the things that I'm very passionate about because all my friends are over here listening to the latest Jason Aldean album or whoever the heck is big on country music nowadays. What was the first time you heard of Vampire Weekend? A-Punk. Which is, I think, most, I think that's probably everybody. Because A-Punk was in about 12 movies in the late 2000s. That's true. And I remember hearing A-Punk, uh, this is back when I was on an indie rock forum, uh, way back 10, 12 years ago, right around the time the first album came out. So the first album uh, comes out 2008, correct? Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah. It's self-titled. Yep. It's got A-Punk on there. Yep. But the song, I think, that has stuck with a lot of people is Oxford comma. Yeah, that that's just Ezra that's just Ezra being his little quirky pretentious self. He's great. But I, yeah, it's I love that song and I think a lot of people do because it's catchy, it's funny, it mentions little John. Yeah. How could you not like it? Yeah. That's every that that is a really great introduction to everything that Vampire Weekend's about though. Is they're they're Ivy League guys, so they're really smart and really like um they care about things that nobody else cares about. Like, I mean, that's the opening line to that song is about an Oxford comma. But yeah. then he's also still like singing about Little John, which is which is just like the most. That's the most Vampire Weekend thing you could do. 
But I remember my family and I went on a spring break vacation to South Carolina that year in 2008. And I just downloaded the whole Vampire Weekend album because I had heard APUNK, I'd heard Oxford Comma, and I'd heard Mansard Roof, which I liked a lot too. Because that's a cute little intro to that album. And I swear, during that week I was in South Carolina, I must have played Cape Cod, Quasa Quasa. And M79. See, the, the Vampire Weekend is another one that I think e- each album, they've gotten substantially better. Oh, I would agree. And that, that's why at the end of this, I want us to rank the albums and then rank like our top five-ish songs. Oh, I, no, I can already tell you the albums get better with each one. Yeah. Like, I, I like I don't even think it's close for me, for me at least. As, as soon as they came out with this album and as soon as they started gaining a little popularity, the main criticism of them was, and, and you'd saw, you'd see this everywhere, it's Ivy League guys, all white, all with somewhat Judeo-Christian backgrounds, who sing over what is essentially uh, strongly African-influenced music. Yeah, they're, they're, that drumming, especially yeah. on the first album, the drumming is just bonkers. Yeah, the, the drumming is very similar to uh, what you'd see in genres like high life in uh, Africa, which is... It, not just a beer in America. It's brilliant, wonderful, celebratory music from Africa that I would highly recommend to anyone. That's the that's the um, advantage to all of them being Ivy League guys, though, is that like especially with Rostam because he's a like actually a trained musician, so he's been exposed to all of this stuff, like just like crazy stuff, and he tries to incorporate it in their music, and I think it's just elevates it. Right, and, and the the thing too about calling like. There, there was an article at the time that called them the whitest band in the world. Yep, oh, and, they uh, are, but also not. But, but they're not because you know they, they, none of them have directly American heritage. It's like Rostam is from, I can't remember exactly where he's from. He's not from the United he, States originally. I think he's from India, right? Yeah, but the the three the three others have varying versions of Ukrainian, Italian, and Hungarian heritages. Like, yeah. like they're not you know basic English or basic Welsh, yeah. whatever. So, yeah, no. Uh, oh, no. Sorry, Rostam. Rostam is, was born to Iranian parents. That's actually really interesting. Um, that's cool. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. Like, they're white, but at the, like, this is the best thing. And their song, in Diane Young, which is on Modern uh, Vampires, there's a line in there that is the widest line of anything I've heard where he says, uh, you've got the luck of a Kennedy. Nobody else is singing about the Kennedys unless you're from Ivy League, New York. Like, also, that's a heck of a burn. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. But, but that's the thing is like most people, I, I bet most people that like we're going to go to dinner tonight with friends and I bet none of them know anything about the Kennedys. I'll but, say Nathan does. Yeah. Well, yeah, but. Uh-oh. So we both heard him in sort of a similar stance. Like they kind of happened to us by accident. I didn't actually discover them through Pitchfork or anything. I found out about them because like a friend of mine online sent me a link to A-Punk. Yeah, I mean, I had heard A-Punk, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't really... Because it was in movies. Yeah, it was in movies. And then I think when um, Contra came out, that was that was the album that I heard. But it was because I had some my friend who just blew my musical taste out of the water, Rachel. She Rachel 
I just used to ask her for stuff and to be like, well, this vampire weekend's pretty good. Um, unfortunately, this sucks to be you, Rachel, whenever you hear this, but I, I feel like her musical tastes have kind of flattened out. Mine have too, definitely. I've taken I a listen, shot. I listen to the same, but it's 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 sad. I wanted to listen to this because I wanted to send me a text that just gets fired. Rachel, up. shout out to Rachel. I actually, I really love Rachel a lot. Uh, I didn't. I had forgotten about this. The A Punk is in Step Brothers. Yeah, it is. So is LCD Sound Systems and Step Brothers, which yeah. I didn't listen to. Like I went back and watched Step Brothers like a year ago. It was at some somebody's house. They were playing Step Brothers, and I hadn't heard it. But I was like, oh, this is. LCD sound system. What the heck? How did this movie get such a good soundtrack? And so I, th- I think why we kind of skip over the first album pretty quickly is, like we say, the albums get better, but the album itself is built as kind of this breezy pop little just fun piece. Yeah, like like it's an enjoyable. It's it's enjoyable. It's light. Well, you, I it's, got a fun fact about their first album. So one of my good friends in college, who is the reason I like the movies that I like, Demi. Demi was super into Vampire Weekend. And he told me this story, which I found the YouTube video, is they started Vampire Weekend. They, like, made some off-the-cuff, like, movie. It's on YouTube. Yeah. And it's the movie. It's called Vampire Weekend. Yeah, it's called Vampire Weekend. And then they put Vampire Weekend on the album, and they weren't sure if it was going to be their album title or their band name. And then it just worked for both because they didn't have a band name. They were just going with it. Um and it, which which is just one of those weird like quirky things, and you're exactly right. It was just this is what it was. You'd put it and, out there and even and the album on. cover reflects that. It's just a tossed off shot of like a chandelier at a party. Like yeah. it's light, it's fun. You're having fun. You're not thinking too deeply about it because the themes of the album aren't that deep beyond just kind of basic yeah. relationships. There's just such a contrast between just about anything on that first album, like Oxford comma. And then Hannah Hunt on the third album. Right. Like the emotional depth that they have taken from one, two, and three is just like Hannah Hunt is the one that like there are some parts of that album that song where I'm just like, Man, I wanna cry. Like I've gotta cry right now. Who I'm trying to cry. Ooh, baby. But you and the I think by far is their most front loaded album too. The first four songs on that are literally Mansard Roof, Oxford Comma, A Punk, and Cape Cod Quasa Quasa. Four huge hits among indie yeah, those are Yeah, those are great. All four great four songs. like lifelong favorites of a lot of people. Now, now the rest of the album kind of gets ignored beyond M79, which I've mentioned as being one of my favorite songs by them. Really? It's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's, it's very is it because it talks about unions? Oh, well, yes. As, as, a, <laughs> as a big pro-union guy, yes. But um, I, I like, it, I don't know. It's just like the orchestral yeah. arrangement they have in it is beautiful. It feels... It feels like an old-timey dance, given the violins he used in that, transported to, at the time, 2008. It's just, I don't know, it's elegant, it's pretty, kind of like the whole album. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the, um, I was just looking at this track list, too. The Kids Don't Stand a Chance, I first heard that song as, like, the Kid Cudi cover or whatever. Yeah. And then I went back and listened to this, and it, that's a weird thing. But I agree with you. That's definitely this. That's such a front-loaded album. I mean, I've always just listened to it and not yeah. thought about it. But I, I generally turn it off after M seventy nine, which is Walcott's track five. really good. I like Walcott a lot. I, I do too. But like, if if I if I pull it up on Spotify or something, I generally will be like, okay, I want to hear the first five tracks, then maybe Walcott or the Kids Don't Stand a Chance. Then I'm just gonna dip out. Yeah. No. I I I really like Walcott. Um, I like M seventy nine is good because it has that just like crazy like harpsichord intro which yes. makes me just think of like mozart or something i know that's not a bad that's not a correct comparison because i don't know classical music hey, it's a positive one but 
No, exactly. But I'm saying like that's a good like it's just that's again is what we're talking about where they have these like insane. They're so smart with like their music history and like being influenced from so many different things that that's like they can just whip that out and it works. But yes, I agree. This is a it's a great album. And so they follow it up two years later with an album called Contra, which of course is that you know your mileage may vary in this, but it's a this is kind of where they start to tackle some deeper themes. The The title itself is a reference to uh, Nicaraguan counter-revolutions uh, in the 1980s, or further back, in the album Sandinista by The Clash. It, like, it, it references some like very deep stuff, and people yeah. kind of pass over it first because it's like, oh, it's these white kids who sing about relationships. But you know, even the first, the first single from that album, Horchata, which I, I remember uh, the first time I heard that, I was kind of puzzled as to why their new stuff sounded like that because it doesn't, it does not at all sound like a, a traditional single. In December, drinking hot chata, I'd look sarcastic in a balaclava. Winter's cold is too much to handle. Pinch your crabs, a pinch at your sandals. Not at all. My my first favorite on that one was White Sky, and that was just Ezra yelping in the chorus, and I freaking loved it because but, it's the same thing. They started they just started experimenting with stuff a little bit. And I and I remember the first time I heard this album, I was disappointed because when you listen to it more, it reveals itself to you. But at first, it isn't quite as fun. It isn't quite as lighthearted. There's a six minute song on it, which it kind of I don't like very much. Oh, I love that song, man. It just, I, don't, I stopped caring about it after about three minutes in. But anyway, the the songs are slower, too. They're not as popular. Yeah. Minus, minus Holiday and Minus Cousins, maybe. Yeah, Cousins, Cousins. yeah Cousins is real is real quick. And, it's the, and this one, actually, I find to be the opposite deal of the first album in that it's a little more backloaded for me. I like the back half of the songs more than the first. Hmm. And, and I, the, I the, love. I think you're contra. I think that's when when they get slow. It's like they can do a really good job with those like really like just yeah. emotional songs. And, and that, that's the the thing they talk about. The things they talk about in some of these are like I said, heavier stuff. Like holiday is a song that you know sounds lighthearted. And I swear, correct me if I'm wrong, because you may know better, that they use this song in like a Gap commercial. Or like a clothing oh commercial in the, the like the early 2010s. Uh, it's definitely been it's definitely been in pop culture. I just don't know what. I, I'm pretty sure it's in like a Gap commercial, an Old Navy commercial. But regardless, that song is about a girl running away from bombs in the Middle East. Like that's a little yeah. heavier than the stuff of like Campus on the first album, which is about a dude falling in love with with his professor. <laughs> like and yeah, and. Yeah, that's pretty. That, that I haven't I haven't really thought thought through the pop culture usage because most of the time people don't even like listen to this. Like they don't listen to it. They'll just be like, "Oh, that's a that sounds good." Yeah, um, but but you you look at that album and you know it it got good reception. Not quite as widely beloved as the first one for a lot of people, but I think both of us would say it's better than the first album. And oh, absolutely. What what why what is your main reason for saying it's better than the first one? Um, I like I, I the first one like you said, the first one is good, it's straightforward. 
Um, and I think it is it is what it is. But this actually has depth. That where the first one is definitely like it's they're good catchy pop songs, but that's about it. This one you you do get the like um, you get the I think you're a contra, and then you, but three tracks before that you get cousins, and so you, you there's just like such a wide range of what they're doing on that album where they can just like cousins I think is like definitely like. That's a that's an absolute banger. I when I see them in concert and I'm sure they'll play that. Like I'm sure that song is just like bonkers. Like but then they're just all over the board. But then also White Sky is always the one that I come back to because I think that what they like just the way that they have like they did that song and like that chorus is just like so noticeable to me. Because I was like this is that's like so risky to do something like that. And if it doesn't work, it sounds terrible. Yeah, and that's that's why I love this album so much and. I would say personally, if I'm looking for a Vampire Weekend album to just put on the in the background and have a happy day, like I'd choose yeah. the first one. But the second one, if I'm looking to do some real deep listening, I love the second album because, I mean, all you have to do is go look at the the credits page on Wikipedia for the album and look at the wide range of stuff they use on this. Oh yeah, they use a harpsichord, they use hand drums, shakers, marimbas, a zabumba. I don't even know what that is. Uh, Shakir, double bass, violin cellos like you don't find that stuff on a modest mouse as a boomba is a bass drum used in brazilian music i love it but like it's and it's not only that like listen to the first 10 seconds of giving up the gun yeah listen to how like it's this twinkly like beautiful music that has not been achieved in indie rock since american football And before that, in 15 years, it, like listen to it's how Horchata, hot takes, baby. Listen to how Horchata developed so slowly, so beautifully. How it, I don't know, it really evokes like that, like desire for summer yeah. you only experience when it's 30 degrees and snowing outside. Oh, yeah. We don't get that here much, but like if you've ever been to the north, you know. If you're from the north, you know. Mm. Like. Cousins is great. Run is a super underrated song. No, I I, I agree. That I think this album is modern there's, there's days when I think it's their best. Modern Vampires of the City is my is a top three album of all time for me. It the is. Way, yeah, a, I mean, it is that. Okay, computer, and I love you, Honey Bear. Like I absolutely. Which if you if you are a big Father to Misty fan, then you would agree with me, but. Those three are, and obviously, OK Computer is the one that everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, Radiohead!" But it is, it deserves all the praise. It's a great album. But Modern Vampires of the City is, I like, also one of my favorites. But before we depart on Contra, I want to, I, I think the reason it didn't get much love the first time out is because it's deeper, a little more complex, and because if you didn't like what they were about on the first album, where they were kind of using their African pop and African rock influence, they go all in on the second album on that, buddy. Oh like, yeah, like that. Like if you if you got annoyed about it on the first one, like you just skip the second one entirely. Especially if you think they're just aping Paul Simon or something. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there are so many songs they have that um, that sound just like that. This is another thing that they um, that we're not going to be able to talk about because it's not on any one of their albums. But I think one of the best songs that they've ever done is Ottoman. And it's not on yeah, any of the albums, yeah. but that's it's that song is incredible, and I think that was on like a Napoleon. Baby, baby, 
it's, uh, it's on something that's not really even an official band release, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know where, um, what it's a part of, but... Anyway, my, yeah. last, my last statement on Contra, and I've said this for a while now because uh, I felt this big after, especially if you're young like me or you, if you're mid-20s, if you're dealing with your own struggles and... Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Okay, cool. In middle-class America of trying to make it and constantly failing, Contra is the album for you. Vampire Weekend, the self-titled one, is a great album for college, for living oh, through yeah. the fun it's stuff. It's a college album. Contra is for the first two years after you graduate and you don't know what you're doing mm. and you're sad every night. And Modern Vampires of the City is for your midlife crisis. Yes. Please, please note that we still love Contra very much and that I actually listened to it for pleasure, but that's how I felt about it for a long time. And I, that was when I really started to get yeah. it was after I graduated from Yeah, college. no, I, I listen to all of these like straight up because they're all beautiful. Modern Vampires of the City, their final one for now, though if they are coming out with a new one supposedly this, this year. This year supposedly. is working title it's, is Mitsubishi Macchiato, which, which, is, which is the most vampire. Oh my gosh. That's what I'm telling you. Ezra Unhinged is either going to be incredible or it's just going to be a disaster. But even if it is, it's going to be amazing. So we should note for now, for now, Modern Vampires of the City is the last album with founding member Rostam. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to pronounce the last name because yeah. I'm going to sound stupid. But Rostam B. And he was a big reason they found some of these rhythms in songs like Cape Cod Quasa Quasa yeah. and songs like Run. He's a, he's a big reason for it. When you feel like it's danceable, like he's probably... The, yeah, Ezra, Ezra writes the lyrics and writes the guitar hooks and the other members serve yeah, great purposes I mean, as well. But Rostam is great at bringing it all together. Rostam balances it out because you can listen... Thankfully, he's got... I mean, he's got his solo stuff now that that I think is really good. He's in the band Discovery. They have that one album, which I think Discovery is phenomenal. I think that like I wish they would do more stuff, but Rostam is the reason that it take that it's that I think Modern Vampires of the City takes the next step. I think that I like that and you know, I don't obviously don't know that. Like this is a fluid band thing and and you don't really know how much like impact him and Ezra working together and like how their relationship actually works. And supposedly Rostam is working in the studio with them on the next album. He's just not an official member of the band anymore, which I think would be great. But it's still like, there are so many things where you can hear like young lion is just Rostam. And that is, I mean, and it's only a minute and a half or so. And, but that song is incredible. But the, the, what makes Modern Vampires so different from the first two, and it's the only one where you can really say it stands out from the sound of the first two, oh, is it that it's, it's does. dark. Yeah, it's it is. It is. And my, like, and not oh. not in the way of politically charged like Contra, but this one deals open faced with the anxieties of being young and living in a crap job and living yeah. where you can't pay your there's, rent. There's there's like, a lot of religious questions too. Yeah. Which I mean like there's like Ezra explores the his problems with God in this and I think it's I think Yahe is one of the like it's an incredible song and also like so he's asking a lot of questions but it's so sad like to listen to too because he's asking some really serious questions and it's um, it just it to me it just like makes me depressed. Yeah, not in a good way. In and a it, good way, it, it it quite makes me question in a positive way. It, but the 
what what makes this depart from other albums is it's not nearly as African music influenced. You, uh, you don't have this those one rhythms. gets more experimental. This one is more experimental, and you can just start with Diane Young. Oh, I like. Li- listen, oh, I love that song. So listen, you'll hear the pitch shifting in the chorus and in the bridge for that song. And that's when they released that to Rock Radio. That was absolutely unlike any single that's been released to Rock Radio, other than the one Morning Bender song people know in 20 years. Yeah. People haven't used pitch shifting like that in a while in rock music. And they did it and they pulled it off pretty well. Yeah, that's just Ezra. That's the same thing as White Sky. It's not really pitch shifting, but he's taking that risk on that song. And they're so good at just making it work. In their favor it's i mean it's incredible and and by by pairing so they pair down the instruments on the album too um all that's on it other than the drums and bass is guitar organ harpsichord and some samples yeah and so it's it's different there's a drum machine on it too obviously but it's it's different in that way but that doesn't mean they stop finding inspiration and kind of pushing their own musical boundaries elsewhere Like, like you listen to step Step is unlike anything they've ever done before or since. Every time I see you in the world, you always step to my girl. Yeah, but you can still hear, like, that it has that harpsichord in the background, so you still hear that, like, they, they haven't gone away from their chord, they've just, like, improved on it. Yeah, and, and like, you... So, on the last album, like, they'll ape, like, rave music on Run, or um, some different type of stuff with horchata, like there's Irish folk influence on Unbelievers, like yeah. Unbelievers is probably, if we're being honest, the best version of any Mumford and Sons song ever written. <laughs> Dude, that's the song on this album where I'm like, this is like a good song. The rest of them are phenomenal. And you know, we we talk about uh, over the top of this how much we like this band and really how much we enjoy listening to all these albums. I've thought this one was their best ever since it came out as much as I did like Contra simply because it, it doesn't in my opinion <clears throat> aim to be as grand of a statement as perhaps Contra tried to be in theory yeah but the what the goals it set for itself it hits on almost every single note it, like you look at stuff like Yahe that is a really experimental song like that's different than almost anything else anyone was doing at the time yeah, I just actually pulled, I pulled the lyrics up to that because there are so, so many of these that I think, like when you listen to them, you see Ezra just like taking things a step further. Where out, we were just talking about um, album one, he's over there like just like dicking around about an Oxford comma, like and talking about Lil John, which is great. But on the next thing, if you get into like. Yahey, the first the first three lines of the song are him telling God that Zion and Zion doesn't love you, Babylon don't love you, but you love everything. It's like, well, that's I'm I'm bummed out. <laughs> I am sufficiently bummed out, and it doesn't get better. And it's yeah. like, uh, like it none it does not get better when he um, like through the fire and through the flames. You won't even say your name. Only I am what I am. It's okay. Like that's that's. Every line sufficiently bums me out. Yeah, but with that, still a great song. And, yep. and like, the, if you're listening to this for the first time and you haven't heard these songs, maybe on your first listen through your album, kind of don't listen to the lyrics <laughs> yeah. because you might not want to come back. Yeah. But we, we love this album. Uh, 
I, I like the samples in it too. Step actually samples a 1993 Souls of Mischief song, which that uh, rap group had one of my favorite songs of all time, 93 Till Infinity. And if you mashed Unbelievers and Step together, you'd get It's a Kid's World by Disco Inferno, which is one of the most wonderful songs ever. That'll play here. But what sets this apart for us is that it's the most mature their songwriting has ever sounded. And not in like a boring grown-up way, but in a we've learned from our mistakes and we're only doing the things we know we're really, really good at now. Hmm. I agree. I'm just like, as we're talking about this, I'm revisiting these songs just in my head. And like the one, the song on this album that I keep coming back to is Hannah Hunt. I think I, that to me is the best song the Vampire Weekend has ever done. I like it's not a vampire. It's you know that's their that's their slow it down. That that's their where I think you know I think your contra is great, um, and Hannah Hunt is great. I love Young Line. Like all these like slower songs that they do, but this it's not what you think of when you think of Vampire Weekend because you think of Diane Young. You think of um, most people think of Horchata. Like there's all those songs, um, a punk, that are really poppy and catchy. But when you get into Hannah Hunt, that's the song that I think it's just it breaks me. It absolutely, I think it's I think it's, it's a crushing song. But yeah, actually, I had a friend who wanted to dance to her wedding for the first dance. It would've been great. It's great. I mean, but it, it's not a good wedding song because I mean. It's a killer. It's yeah, it kills you. It's that that whole when when Ezra's like screaming, if I can't trust you, then damn it, you're just like, man, that is like if you've been in a relationship that's bad, like which yeah. is ninety nine percent of people, and you've had that experience, then you understand where he's coming from, and it's just such a bummer, and but it's but it's beautiful. Quickly, your top five Vampire Weekend songs. I'll end, in, then I'll end with my top five. Okay. Um, let me. They don't have to be in order. No, they're. I would say. I mean, okay. So if not in order, that's that takes some pressure off. Definitely Hannah Hunt. Um, White Sky is on there. It's probably not going to include anything from album number one. Um, wow. Yeah. Probably not. I, I doubt it's going to include anything. So Hannah Hunt, White Sky. Um, Yahe is on there. Um, let's see. Man, that's tough. I th- do you want me to do my five? Yeah, I've got three. You go back. I've got to pick the last two. Okay. You've thought about this, obviously. These, these are my five. And I'm going to go from release date order. So, so first okay. to last. Oxford comma. M79. Uh, giving up the gun. Don't lie and step. I love don't lie. Um, so yeah, I would say that for me, the more okay, it's it's Hannah Hunt, Yahe, White Sky. Um, probably Hudson. Okay, which I think is an interesting one, and then. I just like I have a hard time choosing between because it's all gonna like I told you modern vampire it's mostly gonna be modern vampires of the city because and and at that point it's gonna be some like everlasting arms slash step tie mm-hmm. I love dying young but that's the one where it's just like 
the, those other songs have so much depth. Yeah. But the reason I like Everlasting Arm again is that like all of these songs where he's like just has this big problem with religion, I think are just incredibly interesting. Yeah. And so for that, I mean, as somebody who is always interested in that kind of stuff, Everlasting, that reference to the hymn is just, I think, absolutely beautiful. Last thing before we go, your thoughts on a fourth album from these guys. Are you looking forward to it? Do you have concerns? I'm nervous. Okay. I, 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 can, I, can I tell you my hot take? What? I've wished for three years that they would break up and not release a fourth album. Who? Because I don't think they can top Modern Vampires of the City. I don't think they can either. And I think that's... it's As long as they can get Contra level, they'll be fine. Yeah. But that's going to be tough. Yeah. It's still tough. Because, I mean, because Contra was still... the. I mean, in... When, when was that? 2010? Yeah. Yeah. 2010, it was still... I mean, when it came out, everybody was like, this... I mean, this album's incredible. Pitchfork, number six on his top 50 albums. Rolling Stone, number six on his top 30 album. Like, it, it was still a game changer. Yeah. So the bar is set very high, but Rostam leaving gives them an excuse. Yeah, and and like I like I said, I'm still hopeful for it. I think the first single will tell us a lot whenever they decide to release it. Yeah, but for now, for now, I think see the Rashida Jones impact. Yeah, I think for now, I'm happy to accept this band as what it is, which is the best of the indie rock brigade from the last 15 yeah. years or so. The most. Um, honestly lovable band for me in a while of the of current ones aside from the go team and one that one of the very few current bands that in my opinion is going to stand the test of time you know 40 50 years from now oh yeah so it's vampire weekend